0: Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast. This is the podcast to help you scale your Shopify store into a money-making machine. Your host is Nick Truman. He's a Shopify expert and the CEO of JustAskParker.com, a global specialist marketing agency for Shopify owners. Nick will be sharing his knowledge and interviewing the experts to help you thrive and build a business that makes you money. For exclusive offers, bonus content, and weekly episode reminders, join our mailing list at winningwithshopify.com. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Here's your
1: host, Nick Truman. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Winning with Shopify podcast. For anyone who's not tuned in before, firstly, I hope you like the new intro. We've just had it re-recorded, and I'm very, very excited to, uh, to have a nice new tune. We wanted to add a little bit more life to it. I'm probably reading into it too much, but I wanted to start the podcast with a nice bit of energy. So we've, uh, we've done away with the old one. We've got a nice new intro. I hope you like it. Leave us a comment and let us know your thoughts on that. I hope you've enjoyed the last few series that we've been running. Some of them in particular have been quite exciting, stuff that we've wanted to talk about for a very, very long time. Um, and when I say very, very long, a year, which is a very long time in the digital world, a lot can change. Today, we are kickstarting a new series, and I haven't quite confirmed the name of this series at the time of recording, I have to be honest. But in this series, we are going to be talking about nailing it for your customers. So we're going to be talking about a number of different topics, and this is all focused on how you can be the best possible business for your customers. And if you can do that, you will sell more products, you will grow your business, and you will also get more repeat orders, which again, don't cost you as much money, which we talk about a lot on the podcast in terms of cost of a new customer coming into the business um, to, uh, to buy their first product from you, et cetera. Um, but we're gonna talk about nailing it for your customers. So we're gonna be looking at things like customer experience and customer service. We're gonna be looking at the content you put on your website. We're gonna be talking about the flow Um, And when I talk about flow, the other word for that would be funnel and where customers are in their buying cycle. And when we talk about the funnel, the top of funnel would be somebody who's looking at something like, I'm thinking of buying a new pair of shoes. What kind of shoes are out there? And bottom of funnel would be typing in the model ID number of a pair of shoes. You know which pair you want. You just want to buy it now. And so we're going to be talking about this whole different stream of things throughout this series. And I'm very, very excited to do this. Most notably, because today we're kicking off with, which which I think is the most important part of this series and the most important part of your store, today we're going to be talking about products and how do you get good products, the right products, and most importantly, how do you market those products as well. So there we go. I've done quite a long intro to this series, probably slightly longer than normal. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce my guest, his name's Jared and he's been on the podcast before. Um, last time we had Jared on, it was such a success. I was inundated with emails, comments, thank yous for, for him joining in. And we've been keeping in touch on email. And as soon as we were talking about products, I thought Jared has got to come back on the podcast. So Jared, welcome back to the Winning with Shopify podcast.
0: Hey, thanks so much for having me. I, I uh, didn't know the reception was so awesome and uh, I'm honored. <laughs> well, thoroughly deserved, I think. I think
1: I. Uh, the, my favorite part, to be honest, was when you were heading off on a surfing trip at the end. That was an absolute <laughs>
0: highlight. <laughs> How about the part where I uh, tried to send you a thank you gift? I think we got to tell that story. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we can start with telling the story so
1: long story short Jared had emailed me to say I'm sending you a gift it should arrive in the next few days I didn't get that email so suddenly a whole load of uh, equipment like aquariums and stuff turned up and he basically bought me all the equipment to have my own turtle and I was like what the hell is all of this (laughs) so I reached out to Jared and I actually reached out on LinkedIn because it was the only way I knew to get hold of you and of course you were completely confused being like what's wrong with this guy? Does he not want this turtle? Like, maybe I've offended him. And it's not what I am saying. Until, so he ended up buying me a nice hamper with some cheese and stuff. as so a thank you instead. But, but uh, I, you, you mentioned earlier that there is going to be a turtle on the way this time. And I am yeah, expecting it.
0: This time I'm going to get it done. And, and for all of you that uh, don't know what's going on right now, I discovered you can send a live turtle in a humanitarian way through the mail. And I thought, you know, what are these podcasts, hosts, really need in their life because they probably get a lot of thank you gifts. And I thought, you know, live turtle, that's, that's what I'm going to send them. I mean, I personally do want a turtle, and it's something we're going to
1: keep at the office. It's going to become an office pet. But as I say, I was just completely confused. And then Jared and I—we're both really, really busy, so we both skim read messages. I think is probably the best way to describe it. So he thought I was being really ungrateful and rude, and be like, "I don't want this thing." And he was then apologising for offending me, and I was like, "I'm not offended." And he was like, "What do you mean you're not?" Completely, completely hilarious. And we eventually worked out what was going on. But um, anyway, Jared, just for anyone who didn't catch the last episode give us a quick overview to you and the businesses you're involved in a bit of history about where you've come from as well um right up into the point of, uh, of sending turtles out to people like me
0: <laughs> awesome yeah i've been i've been at it for around 17 years now i um started as a professional musician i was in a band that was signed on interscope records when traditional record deals still existed, and um, we were doing great, and then all of a sudden, the iPod came out, and they pulled us up to the top floor, and I'll never forget the meeting, because our A&R guy said, hey, listen, um, we're not making as much money as we used to, so uh, it's going to be a while before we put out a record, and I'm actually leaving to start a headphones company with Dr. Dre. (laughs) One <laughs> yes. way, it was, yeah. That was Beats Audio, and it was then that I knew um, that my musical career was probably not going to go as planned. And um, I came home and went surfing and talked to my wife, and I said, "Hey, what what are we going to do here?" You know, she said, "Why don't you build me a website?" I said, "Sure." <laughs> so I went to Costco uh, here in the U.S. I don't know how big it is over there, but pretty big deal over here. You get hot dogs and pizza and all that. And on the side, um, there's flyers that are like, you know, install air conditioning, go to Disneyland, whatever. And I picked up one that said how to build a website. So I went home and I learned how to build a website, Mm -hmm. taught myself. And then someone told me Google was a big deal. I didn't really know at the time. So I figured out how to put up ads through their Google ad wizard. Oh man, I wish I could go back and just watch myself do this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> <And laughs> clicks were super expensive. You guys back then, it was like mm. five cents a click. Okay. So I was terrified because my money was just, you know, I had no money just flying out the door, but we started getting calls right away, started selling products right away. I looked at my wife. I said, gosh, if we can get, you know, more product lines like this one that I put up for sale, I think that this could be a business. So, you know, 17 years later, that business has expanded to 300 plus product lines. Uh, we've also have another corporation that's our own product line under my wife's name, Elena Mitchell Skincare. And then the last company we own is simply speaking consulting and et cetera. I help a guy named Neil Patel, I'm the head of his e commerce, um, and a lot of people in the digital world have heard of him as well. So between all of those businesses, it keeps us very busy and very thankful. How did I do? Yeah, good. No, that was a a really good overview. And I think
1: just, just to flag, which I did last time as well, Neil Patel is an absolute legend in the SEO world. So in my world of things, the amount of times people in my team have Googled stuff and I've seen the bright orange and white website up on their screen. I'm like, oh, that's another one for Neil. So um, yeah, massive advocate of, of, of the stuff that you're involved in, Jared. Let's dive in then. I feel like we've, we've told enough stories to get everybody nice and relaxed, ready for today. Let's dive in and talk about products. So what kind of products are you guys selling then? I know there's a few different businesses, but let, let's focus on one of your choice. What products do you guys sell just to set the scene as to What we're talking about
0: sure we focus on beauty and skincare we have a little bit of makeup and hair as well but in general we are in the beauty world now keep in mind those are the physical products we sell we also sell digital products on my own website so i have experience on both sides of the coin
1: cool cool and i think today we do have a few listeners that are in the digital products space but i think let's stick to physical because i know a majority of them probably 80 90 percent of people listening going to be focused on on physical products so that's where we'll take it try and keep it um, as relevant as possible to as many of you as possible so the first question then and this this is going to be a big question i think and one we're probably going to work for quite a while and something that's going to be quite a big thing for a lot of our listeners how did you develop or create or uh, curate is another good word for it how did you bring together this range of products you guys have on the site today
0: this question might shock you when I answer it. So (laughs) uh, basically we had the retail store selling 200 plus product lines of other people's beauty products at the time. Talk about 15,000 SKUs. Okay. And so I did two things. Okay. First of all, I wanted to get rid of discounts because we were discounting so much and it was eating up my margin. Mm -hmm. So I thought, Man, if I think people know who my wife is by now. She's kind of an influencer in the industry. This is about five years ago. I thought, if I come out with my own product and I incentivize users to add a free product instead of using a discount code in a $100 order where they use 20% off and would normally save $20, they'd get my free product, which cost me $3, and I'd save $17. That's literally how my product line was born. Nice. <laughs> nice. Which is a lot easier than I was expecting. I was expecting trips to
1: China or, you oh, know, we'll, Googling yeah. around Alibaba for millions yeah. of hours. We'll
0: get there. We'll get there. But, um, <laughs> cool. th- but the, the second half to the answer is how did you determine which product to start with? Yeah. And this is the part that's going to shock everyone is, um, you know, the search box at the top of your website, You know, everyone kind of has a different name for it, but it should be on everybody's website because people who use that search box are like 50 to 75% more likely to purchase, especially on mobile. So if you don't have it at the front, top, center of your mobile and desktop website, I highly recommend it. That's like a side tip. But. If you set up Google Analytics or anything else appropriately that's connected to your website, you'll get a report each month that shows you what people are searching for that they're unable to find. It'll also show you what the most popular searches are. You with me so far? Yeah. Yeah. So basically, I just looked at the report and I noticed that our largest searches and largest incomplete searches were all centered around eye creams. Nice. So essentially, I started by giving the people what they wanted. We started our own product line based on what people were incomplete searching on our website. And we started it as an eye cream. And the entire intent was to save margin from discounting. Nice. Yeah. I think very very straight.
1: (laughs) It's it's an odd way of doing it. But something you've touched on that I think is really important here is the fact that you've used, I would call it site search. So where somebody goes, as you say, you've landed on somebody's site and you're thinking, I want to find this. You type that in. Just for anyone listening who's thinking, like, how do I get hold of that data? Where is it? It might be in Shopify, depending on how you've set Shopify up, what apps you're using, what plugins you're using, et cetera. The other way to do it is you can set it up in Google Analytics. And then Google Analytics will actually record all of the search terms that are used in that box. And I think, I mean, something we are going to talk about later in the series in a lot of detail is customer feedback, customer focus groups, what customers want, what they don't like, what they do like about your business, et cetera. That box, as you say, is such an important place to go, isn't it? It's almost as important as reviews and everything else because it's not its not going to tell you why they searched it, but it's going to tell you what they searched so you can understand what, what do they actually want to get from us.
0: Right, and I think the root of the answer is something we all learned if we went to business school or if we go to enough conferences or listen to enough podcasts. Let's find a need and let's fill it. Mm. And not just fill it, I'd say let's fill it in a unique way that it hasn't really been filled before. <laughs> so um, really what I was doing without knowing it at the time was not just like increasing my margin by decreasing discounts. It was actually researching what my customers really, really wanted and starting my product line that way. And that's essentially how I expanded the product line as well. And so before you did that, how did you get that first set of products on the site? Was that just a complete gamble
1: then to have that that first set?
0: Well, we had so much success with our eye cream. We actually didn't plan when we launched that product on having our own product line or range of products, it was so funny. But what happened is people started using the product that we came out with the eye cream and it was really good. My wife, like we scoured eye creams in the private label sector. We tried them all (laughs) with ingredients, blah, blah, blah. This is a good eye cream, right? Like she knows what she's doing. She's been a medical esthetician for 15 years, that sort of thing. Okay. Yep so people started calling and being like, Hey, I need more eye cream. Where do I buy it? We didn't have it for sale on our cart. We only had the product as a free gift offer. So we were like, okay, (laughs) let's add. We'll just sell the free gift. Yeah. (laughs) We're like, okay, I guess we have a product line now. All right, shoot. What do we do next? So (laughs) essentially, um, you know, if you're in the beauty realm, you know, like if you come out with a line, you kind of need like basic components. So we started with those, you know, cleanser, eye cream, moisturizer, etc. okay? But how we did it, I think, was unique. Essentially, what we did is we ran reports from our own store of the most popular products that we sell. And we met together as a team and we thought, are there any of these products that like are really awesome that we all love that are unique that we could sort of make our own or tweak to make our own and be completely unique? So what we did... Is we did a little research and we found out there was a certain type of cleanser in our store that was really hot and it was something that was really searched for online, which I'll talk about later. Mm. And we took the customer feedback about that cleanser and we literally made the tweaks to that cleanser that people had a problem with. Nice. So we came out with a foaming pumpkin cleanser. There's a, a few really popular pumpkin cleansers on the market. We sell them. But one of the areas of feedback in the reviews on our website was due to the consistency and people love foaming cleansers. So we were the only person in the entire world to formulate and introduce a foaming facial pumpkin cleanser at the time. There's probably more now, but um, you know that's something that we're a big fan of is trying to, if, if you are going to introduce a product trying to make it completely unique and make it substantiated by customer research. Nice, nice.
1: I love the fact that you guys haven't just done what I did, <laughs> which was to go on Alibaba with a credit card after a few beers one night and order some sunglasses. To, to me, it really is partly why the business didn't work and why I don't run it anymore. It was, it, was, it was a business for the sake of a business. It wasn't solving a problem. And what you've just outlined that I think is really, really special about the, what you guys do is there's already demand for something But no one's really offering it in the right way. But there's also a demand for them to get it from us already, which I think is another really, really clear point to this is we've already got the market. We just need to bring, you know, they say we need to bring the horse to the water and the horse will drink. Yeah, I I love the fact that you guys almost had the data to support what you were going to do. And it is also slightly amusing that you've you stumbled upon that as opposed to setting out one day with your your big spreadsheets and your big research paper and, right, we're going to sell this product because that's what everybody needs. So that's a product that's worked really, really well. I'm also interested to hear, and I'm sure our audience are, what's been a product? And you don't have to give an exact example, but just a, even if it's slightly hypothetical or not mentioning the product itself, what's an example of a product that hasn't worked? and how did, how did you end up getting it on the site? Why didn't it work? And you know what lessons were learned from, from that exercise as well?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, we have a product that we actually just met about this last week that we decided to discontinue. We decided to come out with a basic gel cleanser for the face. And generally gel cleansers are used for people with like oily or acneic skin. So we came out with it and we launched it. The branding's good. The positioning's good. Um, the packaging's good but it just hasn't really been selling. Like I use it, like my wife uses it, but people aren't buying it. And what we realized is like, you know, this was kind of the only product we just released because we kind of didn't have one. There was no thought into asking customers if they would buy it or what kind of gel cleansers they preferred, so on and so forth. We kind of just found one that we liked and released it as a generic gel cleanser. And I think in hindsight, what we realized is that if we don't do the diligence to, you know, survey people, ask people, do some of the research techniques that I'll probably talk about later online. And if we don't have like a unique angle and really identify the problem and position the product to directly affect the problem, it's not going to move well.
1: Yeah. And I think that's really key, isn't it? It's, uh, I always talk about analytics, and I've said it already today, partly quoting another guest we've had on. is a good friend of mine uh, called Chris from an agency called Onstate. He always says that analytics will tell you what somebody did. It won't tell you why. And I think that, that is probably the biggest challenge for the business owner of an e-commerce store, isn't it? You, you want to work out what is my customer's actual problem? Why do they have that problem? And then that will answer the why. Why are they looking for a solution? And I think you talking about using your products yourself... Um, I'll be honest I didn't even wear the sunglasses from my own sunglasses business that much and one of the challenges was and this is probably something we should have fixed we had loads of messages from people asking for prescription I mean as you all know Jared I wear glasses Mm -hmm. so I need to wear sunglasses with prescription or actually what I do now is I I wear contacts on days where I'm not sitting at a desk because then I can wear sunglasses and don't have to worry about carrying glasses around etc but it was things like that where actually we realized there wasn't a niche market for wooden polarized sunglasses that had prescriptions in. Unfortunately, adding a prescription was going to be a very expensive exercise for us. We'd have, to, we'd have to have the volume to support what we were doing, et cetera. But again, a good example of just getting into a customer's head to understand like why are they looking for this product? Or as you mentioned earlier about the, uh, the pumpkin foam product you know, pe- people were already looking for this, but there wasn't a good one out there on the market that was a foam or there were problems with that product. How, how much then on, on that same note, how much have you looked at competitors to see what customers are complaining about on social media or reviews, things like that? Is it, is that something you guys have, have gone down the route of investigating to see if everyone's moaning about delivery of, of the turtle will offer a more humane fast and good delivery of the turtle. Make sure somebody gets a text message telling them to be in because a live animal is about to turn up, you know. <laughs> have you guys gone to that extent to bring the, bring the turtle back into play? Yeah,
0: to me, that's product 101. Is, um, and the good news is, Elena and I, we had our own database of feedback, which is really cool. Not everyone has that. So what do you do when you don't have your own database of feedback? Mm. The product 101 to me is, you know, you're hopping on the Amazons. You're hopping on the, the sites where these SKUs are selling and you're reading through the v- reviews but not just like the ones that they want you to see okay <laughs> yeah find the one star stuff and the, yeah. yeah do a little uh, research on youtube make sure it's not from like a paid influencer and see what people are really saying look for ripoff reports you know do some kind of some searches to really get into the thick of it to see if there's any substantiated feedback that you can take and run yeah yeah i think
1: it's so key i mean i I had a competitor recently saying, oh, those guys are rubbish. They don't answer the phone that quickly. And most of their customers want to call up and order on the phone. And I said, I sort of chatted, and how on earth, you know, quite arrogantly for me, how on earth do you know this? And they said, well, they've got, they've had 200 reviews so far this year. And we're (laughs) already in August complaining about exactly that. It's a massive item. I had loads of questions about it. It doesn't answer this stuff on the site. And when I phoned them, they didn't answer. And then eventually I ordered the product anyway. And then found out the answer to my question was no. So I shouldn't have ordered it in the first place. I ended up getting a refund. Would I recommend this company? No, I would not. So my client was quite quick to then say, great, well, let's put live chat on the site and we'll pay a company to monitor live chat just so somebody is there to answer questions. We'll get them to log all of the questions and we will add those as FAQs on the same page the customer was looking at when they asked the question, normally a product page. So, if somebody's looking to buy a nice big garden furniture set for their garden and they're asking questions, is the recommended cover, does it fit this product or is it just a cover that is big enough? We will have an FAQ Does your recommended cover fit this garden furniture set? Yes, it does. This is the exact model of cover for this garden furniture set next question. And then you've also got more SEO content, you've got an FAQ on there, and you're going to get less customer service, which is going to lead to more sales down the line. And even if that wasn't a customer's question, you've answered it. And so I think that that was one good execution of that. But obviously, you've gone to the next level, Jared, and actually gone, well, let's develop a product that solves the problem that all of their customers are moaning about, which I think is a very smart way of doing it.
0: Yeah. Recently, we actually took the feedback we were getting from one of our own products and used it to completely change the name of the product, mm. which is pretty traumatic because we have a full-fledged nationwide, scalable, scaling YouTube campaign behind this product and its funnel right now. <laughs> I read really, it. And you just renamed it. Yeah, completely changed the name. I'm talking, <laughs> we got to change labels. Mm. We got to change verbiage on the website. But it was all from listening to that customer feedback. And of course, once we did it, it increased conversions and we started making more money. So I think it's a, it's a vital piece of, uh, you know, everyone's sort of product positioning and launch formula is to, to definitely <laughs> view the uh, reviews and the feedback online. Mm. I love your point about, you know, the chats we started doing live chats a long time ago and the better our website got, the less we needed to, um, have live chat because our girls are so good at answering the phone. Yeah. But one thing you can do is just automate it too, right? Like the whole chat bot thing, like you're getting your FAQs and you're throwing them up as, um, you know, on the actual sales page to make sure it like relieves some grief. But uh, we have some flows on our side you know, people answering their questions when really it's just a robot. <laughs> mm, nice. I think the robots,
1: I I take after my dad with this and he hates technology. <laughs> uh, and this is the only part of technology where my dad and I are aligned. I generally love it and he hates it, but I'm not a fan of chatbots. I've rarely found a good answer. And I'll be honest, I've used two of them today, one with an airline and one with a bank. Ask, the airline was asking questions about reward points the bank i was asking how long a certain transaction is going to take to clear and it gave me a chatbot and i'll be honest and this is a great piece of advice that somebody gave me years ago if you're on a chatbot and you don't want to be in a chatbot just write speak to human yeah copy it then click enter and every time the chatbot responds just paste that again and click enter <laughs> and get through to a human and then ask them the question cuz if you're anything like me you've already done your research you've googled like how long does this thing take when's this going to happen etc and you've not found the clear answer so if they if they're not willing to present a clear answer i want somebody from their company to answer my question because i am a customer or i'm a potential customer and i want to know the answer to this so i think but it's an interesting point you've raised actually is the better the website's got um the less you've needed live chat and general customer service which i think is good how much of that would you attribute to the product itself as well, like are you a firm believer that every product needs um, a very considerable amount of marketing or, and it's not really or, um, and or um, is the is the correct link I'm going to use. And or are you the sort of, uh, sort of person that actually believes that the right product will just sell itself? We just need to be clear and talk about what it does. And we've done our research. We know people will want to buy it.
0: I think the right product will sell itself, but I, I'm also a big fan of marketing the heck out of that. Mm, so good. yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's what we do. So, I mean, first of all, you know, and this goes into something we were kind of touching on before mm. and you know, the guys who are just pulling out the credit card and ordering Junk from Alibaba. <laughs> that guy was me, by the way. But yeah. Yeah, right? no, it's not all junk, but like, well, yeah. make sure you actually own your business and own your own product. Okay. Like <laughs> I went backpacking with my son last weekend in the Sierras here in California, like out in the boonies. Nice. And I had to order a bunch of stuff from Amazon that was for backpacking. You guys, I returned like 75% of it because it all fell apart the first time we were using it. I was like shocked and my wife and I kind of have this thing around our house where we'd be like, Oh, I ordered something from Amazon. Was it just cheap crap from China? That's literally what we say. Mm. It, Cause it's not always the case. Like I bought a knife sharpener recently. I, I love knives and um, <laughs> this thing came and it's like amazing. Right. Mm. So like you can order from overseas, no matter where you're ordering and make sure your product is real and quality and why I'm talking about that. Is because when we do that, we try to actually work with the lab or the company to make sure they're making us a product that's not only high quality, I mean, that's a given, Mm. but something that's unique. So if we identify the need in like anti aging, for say, and we identify a product um, that works for it, and we can take that product and put a spin on it that is unfound anywhere else in the world we feel like we're going to win. It's kind of like I came from the music field. You write a song that's good enough, it's going to spread like wildfire, okay? Mm. If you have a product that's so unique that it's patented, which is what we're doing with our most recent product that solves that problem, you can expect it to do the same. But what I would say because, of course, you have to position it properly. You have to do the branding properly. And yeah, I'm yeah. also a fan of marketing the heck out of it.
1: Nice, nice. I think it's really important. There's three questions I'm going to ask you on this, and I'll ask them separately. First one, owning your own products. Couldn't agree more. Do you want to just expand on that, though, for anyone who's like, okay, I've started a store. I've got some products on there. I feel like I own them because I've bought them in that's not quite what we mean by that is it it's that's not owning your products that's just owning stock <laughs>
0: yeah yeah um if you are in a business an e-commerce or online business mm. and if your main marketing channel goes away overnight like an ios update anyone yep <laughs> or your supplier goes out of business and you can lose your business I feel like you don't really own your business.
1: Like if you're reselling a product or reselling a service, for example.
0: Yeah, like how can you actually make a product or supply or source of product that's genuinely yours? Like how can you position your business so that if Amazon shuts down your account, you're not sunk? Like you have other, you know, you actually own a real business because I just feel like what's promoted and pushed on us as entrepreneurs, especially in the e-com field these days, are these dudes sitting on their lamborghinis with six packs and tight shirts with like a scantily clad woman by them promising you'll make a billion dollars in 3 minutes if you take their course sort of thing on dropshipping <laughs> you know and the the problem is you know they're they're selling this business and can it work yeah sure um but <laughs> Most likely it's going to be a product that's sourced that you don't own through one sales channel that you're supposed to get really good at that you also are putting a risk on. So, you know, I really encourage people to make sure you're positioning your products and your marketing so that you're viewed as a real business that if something goes away, like if they shut down my Amazon account, I'm okay because I have email marketing going. You know, I have Facebook or Instagram or TikTok that's going. Yeah. So on and so
1: forth. We've had so many clients as well that have turned around to us and said, um, like we we had one a few weeks ago who said, look, we were eBay seller of the year in 2018, 19, something like that. Put a badge on the website about it and they said the other day there's now another player who's spending as much as us on promoting their posts on eBay. We've just lost 60% of our revenue. (laughs) yeah literally just like that the good news is they've been working with us for nearly two years and we've just launched their brand new magento 2 site conversion rates nearly doubled seo is pumping up PPCs more profitable than ever like it's it's small volumes compared to eBay and amazon but it's something it means that overnight they could scale down the business if they lost one of the channels and still be profitable which is the most important thing and we could also we are scaling up all channels at all times but they're not reliant on it and it From a marketing point of view, it kind of goes the same as a few clients we were doing SEO for who were so reliant on PPC. And what the first thing in our pitch was like, look, this is the makeup of your website and it's like 95% PPC revenue and there's several problems there. Number one, if it's PPC revenue, it's probably first customers buying once. You don't have much repeat business. Secondly, it's costing you a fortune. So if you run low on cash, you've got to turn that down. And we were talking last time we had you on, Jared, about cash flow, and it's really important. If you have to bring that down, revenue goes down, it comes to self-fulfilling prophecy, the whole thing can fall apart. And so I think same as you mentioned with suppliers, I think having several suppliers is really, really important. Something that's interesting that sprung to mind on this is we, we often categorize our e-commerce clients in two camps. First camp, or the first bucket of clients, is brands. And the second bucket of clients is retailers. So you guys are a brand because you sell your own products. So you are the brand. It's like going on the Nike website and buying Nike, or as you guys call it, Nike, um, buying Nike shoes from the Nike website. You're on the brand's website. If you buy those those same shoes from Amazon, Amazon is a retailer. I mean, Amazon is a marketplace. It's a bit different, but in theory, it's a retailer reselling another brand. And I think a lot of Shopify stores I know of, certainly the drop shippers are reselling other brands. And I think if you are doing that, the best bit of advice is to make sure you're reselling lots of different brands. A, to see what brands and products sell best. So you're not going to be able to change your products yourself because they're not yours. But the wider the pool of products you've got, the more you can go, they sell, they don't. Get rid of the ones that don't. Keep the ones that do. Understand customers better, et cetera. And also, if you are selling your own products, I mean, as you said, you've absolutely, as a brand you've got to know that there is no other company that can go down or under or cause a domino effect going to knock us out as well because it's just so dangerous. So, yeah, I I completely agree with all of that. And I think that's really, really important. Let's talk about, you mentioned it three times, marketing the hell out of the product anyway. So you've got a product, you know
0: it's popular. What do we do next? Okay. Uh, this is a massive question, by the way. Something I need to clarify here first. Mm. You call it Nick Nicky? Nike. Nike? Yeah, in the UK we call it Nike. Oh, but I know so, you guys call it Nike. I'm so glad we had this talk. I'd probably like embarrass myself. <laughs> I'm like
1: <laughs> Nike? Well, m- most people listening are in the US, so they will call it Nike. But yeah, we, we call it Nike. And there's a few. There's a rare group of people in the UK who don't call it Adidas they call it Adidas. So be interesting to see what you
0: call that that same brand in the US as well. Well, if you learned anything from listening to this podcast today, you learned how to pronounce <laughs> Adidas and Nike in the UK, which is Nike and Adidas. Did I do it? A- Adidas. <laughs> <laughs> nearly, nearly. Nike and Adidas. So let's talk about marketing the hell out of it. Cool. I, I had a side question that has to do with this. Mm. Magento 2, we're on, we're on MAG1 right now. Yep. One of the main reasons I want to upgrade a Magento 2 is for post-purchase one-click upsell. Did you install that on the that website you're talking about? We didn't because they're enormous products.
1: Oh. It's the sort of thing you'd only buy one at one time anyway.
0: Yeah. Oh. So
1: if, you, if they were going to upsell something, it would be like three or four pounds or dollars. It would be tiny amounts of money and it would be like a set of screws. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, they sell white goods like washing machines, dishwashers. So if you've not put a dishwasher in your cart when you bought your washing machine, you're not going to buy a dishwasher. So. We haven't used that on there, but the guy who the new marketing manager has come in and he said, If it's up to me, this would be the Shopify or WooCommerce. The whole site's so clunky. And now they've got the problem that's costing them a lot of money every month to do ba- very basic development to fix things that keep breaking. That is the downside of Magenta, I'm afraid. Um, but anyway, this is a podcast about Shopify, so it's not an issue, <laughs> um, hopefully. But yeah, they, they do have that issue right now and they already a week after launch back in may june time already talking about shall we already plan to get off this platform because we're just looking at how much money we're going to hemorrhage versus how much more money we could spend on ppc if if we weren't spending this money on dev so um, well
0: you know that goes kudos to shopify because they mm. solved that problem my buddy ezra solved that problem a long time ago it just went negative so um it's awesome and with regards to marketing the hell out of it so you've you own your product you own your brand you have a product that's unique and it's uh selling or you you know it's going to sell that sort of thing so like how do you get started by you know scaling that Mm. or increasing that like how do you market the hell out of it right and it's just so uh funny because you could answer this question in so many different ways, but how I like to to start basically, and I think we might have talked about this a little bit last podcast, is I build out a detailed customer persona profile, and I'll usually start with two for each product. And when I say detailed, I give them a picture. I give them a name. I tell you how many pets they have, how old they are, their level of education, their income, the names of their children. I like go crazy on building this fake real person for my product.
1: Mm,
0: Nice. Once I have that, (laughs) I understand who I'm actually, you know, marketing towards, and I know where they spend their time. So if I can figure out where they spend their time, I can figure out where I can actually drive the traffic from. And sometimes you may need to like yeah, experiment a little bit. But for our newest product, for example, we built out two uh, customer profiles and we decided that Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube were going to be two areas that we wanted to focus on based on the target customer persona. You always learn something. And after about a year of tweaking the landing pages and trying to scale on both platforms, Facebook and Instagram was basically a loss. We turned it off. However, YouTube, we were crushing it. And it really helped us get rid of the wrong customer profile and focus on the right one. And it's been helping us. um, It's that same product that we changed the name on. Uh, It's been helping us really refine and scale this funnel.
1: That is very interesting. Um, Mostly because you said that YouTube was the thing that really nailed it for you. Just because YouTube, going back to what I said right in the intro about the funnel, YouTube generally is top of funnel. Like, I don't know about you, I've never gone on YouTube going, I want to buy this product, certainly a skincare product. Um, I would go on Google and search what are the top men's shower gels right now, which I did do the other day and bought some lovely new shower gels for myself. But I think things like that, you wouldn't expect to go on YouTube to do it. So again, it must be such a good product that it interrupts somebody because it's outbound marketing or interruptive as I sometimes call it. Um, it's outbound marketing. You're reaching out to people, interrupting their day. They're trying to watch YouTube. And then suddenly you guys are here saying, Hey, you should buy this product. And people are obviously purchasing it as a result.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it, it really becomes kind of a passion sort of addiction of mine is that process because obviously it's, it's so much fun. To increase budget and then watch revenues increase and to create good problems when, like, you run out of inventory and things like that, right? But I just really love the psychology and the experience behind it and being able to split test landing pages and make tweaks and see, you know, an increase in conversions or time on site and just all the things that go into an awesome funnel, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's certainly, um, yeah, as I say, it's a massive question. Um, And I think if I asked another brand the same thing, they'd tell me that nothing worked apart from Facebook. (laughs) And then if I ask another brand, they'll tell me nothing's worked apart from Google Shopping. If I ask another one, they'll say nothing's worked apart from telesales, just people on the phones calling, (laughs) calling houses saying, hey, do you want to buy this? Or I've I've actually just read a book that talked about the Fuller Brushmen, who apparently in in the US were like door-to-door sales guys, wrote the book on it and went from like one guy selling brushes door-to-door to thousands of them across the us and then back down to one when door-to-door sales wasn't such a big thing that he was the fuller brush man himself i don't know if something you come across but i think there's i certainly think there's so many different sales channels out there cool last question then because i appreciate we're going on a little bit with time but um yeah last question this is a really interesting one and what i don't want to do is compromise any of your ethics because i think you've got a really good business ethic in the way you approach stuff but it's a really interesting question i think and one that i popped in right at the end of the list how i mean yeah i mean the real question is should you sell but how how could you sell a bad product so something you're like that's not a great product but we have got loads of them how do we shift some of them? What What are your thoughts like? And you don't have to share any specific stories if you don't want. Uh, completely. Oh up to you.
0: yeah, we just don't do it. If If something's junky, crappy, we'll 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 just eat it. It's not worth it. Mm. It's not worth it to me. And I think that's what I have a problem with is some of these get rich quick guys you see on, you know, your social media ads trying to get you to take their drop shipping course or whatever It's like (laughs) the product is bad, you know? And so if you're sitting on bad inventory, trying to convince people that it's good inventory and that they should buy it, Mm -hmm. you might want to rethink what you're doing. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think, I mean, I said to you before we click record
1: and I'll be really open in saying this, a lot of people that listen to this podcast A lot of people that reach out to me a lot of the questions i get i have a look at people's sites and the sites themselves like the shopify store doesn't look great but that's not the biggest problem and it's why i wanted to run today's episode and ask you lots of questions about products is that i look at the product and think who's even going to buy this thing it just doesn't look like you can sort of see at first glance it's not a finished product it's not pretty it hasn't been well manufactured there's no information about where it's from who it's for it's just kind of like here's a i don't know a belt something like that that said we had one about 18 months ago i'm going to be a little bit careful because i know she listens to this podcast but i w- i know she won't mind me saying this so i won't mention her by name but we got approached about 18 months ago by somebody who runs their own little store and she said i'd love to have a conversation about seo and ppc and at the time, we were sort of um, in a phase of, yeah, we can work on some smaller accounts, etc. Let's have a little conversation. So we had a chat, and I was looking at her site thinking, this is absolutely horrendous. No one in their right mind is ever going to buy this product. And I won't say what the product is, uh, just for reference, <laughs> but no one's ever going to buy this product. The site's awful. It doesn't say who it's for. The buying journey on the site's horrendous. The actual product itself, I checked on Google Keyword Planner. No one's looking for it. So we get on this corner. I said, right, so, uh, so tell me about the business. And she said, well, we're really reliant on Amazon right now. And I kind of in my head was thinking a little bit sarcastic, like, yeah, yeah, here we go. You know, we get 50 sales a year on Amazon and we make $20 a day or month or something. And I said, well, what's the revenue like on Amazon? She said, well, it's $150,000 a month. And my jaw hit the desk. (laughs) And I was like, what the hell have you just said? (laughs) I said, sorry, did you just say $150 a month? No, 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 $150,000 a month on Amazon. And I said, oh, I hadn't even looked. Give me two seconds. Pulled up her Amazon account. And again, the products on there <laughs> looked horrendous. <laughs> the imagery was awful. Some of them were pixelated. I couldn't even, on the picture of someone wearing this product, I couldn't even work out which part of what they were wearing was the product until I read like the title and the description. And I checked her reviews, all five stars. She's got about 15,000 reviews, 20,000 reviews. I just could not believe it. And it just proved to me, you never know. And I think it's quite an interesting note to end on is you never know. And that said, I do completely agree with everything we said today. I think doing your research, getting the right product in there is absolutely crystal clear. And I think using that as an example of that, that, what I thought was quite a bad product. It wasn't a bad product in the end. That was just my perception of it. It just wasn't for me. And actually the people the product was for, I then later realized that these people want the product to not look very nice because it actually goes underneath your clothing. It's not something somebody else can see and the kind of people that use them have a medical condition and you see the, the 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 actual persona of those people the customers starts to unfold and 18 months later we are still working with them they still haven't upgraded their site still looks horrendous they've got a five percent conversion rate they may make an, make an eight to one roi on google shopping um they're now making about five or six to one roi as well on facebook we're scaling things up she's, she's actually one of one of our happiest clients. And again, you just never know. But I think the point being is it's the right product for that audience. And I think that's the absolute key. So just before we run off, Jared, any final thoughts on product from you? Anything you feel like we've not covered that, that would be useful?
0: Uh, just like don't lose hope. If you've listened to this today and you're like kind of feeling down because you don't feel like you really own your business or your marketing, it's usually just a few small tweaks that you can make to change that. You know, the power is yours. That's the beauty of being an entrepreneur. You can tweak the product. You can tweak the landing page. You can tweak and uh, pivot on suppliers. Um, You can start a new marketing channel. So don't be discouraged, but just, you know, use this advice to sort of plan out your future, your life, you know, because if you do this thing right, you're going to be around a long time as a business. Cool. I think very wise words. And as
1: always, Jared, like with all of our guests, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for coming on the show how can people get in touch with you? What's a a good way to find your businesses or reach out to you, et cetera?
0: Sure. Yeah. Just, you know, Google beefy sites. That's kind of like the unique name that I came up with. I'm a big guy and everyone's called me Beefy (laughs) ever since. So uh, beefy sites on any of the social platforms and um, on Google, I'll come right up and and hit me up. Not enough people hit me up with questions and stuff i love hearing oh i like you know i listen to you on your podcast and uh you know so yeah that's awesome nice nice well be careful what you wish for because our audience
1: are quite engaged i have to say which uh which is good it's one, one of the reasons i love running the podcast so um cool well, yeah thanks again jared really great to have you with us today yeah appreciate it so much nick and um yeah yeah Love to come back anytime. Cool, cool. We'll we'll definitely get you back at some point, and uh, that is a promise I'm happy to make on uh, on the podcast because uh, I know we will definitely have you back. For anyone else listening, um, thanks so much for listening today. I hope you found this useful. I hope most of you are digging through your stock at the moment in your store, having a look around. Do we have the right products? Are we selling the right stuff. Lots of thought-provoking stuff. So uh, really appreciate you listening in. It'd be really awkward without any of you joining in. So thanks so much for joining us. Back again next week, and we'll have episode two of this new series about nailing it for your customers, which I think is a title we're going to set on. So thanks for listening. Back again next week.
0: Thanks for listening to today's podcast. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter for exclusive offers at winningwithshopify.com. And don't forget to check out our Facebook group
1: by searching for Winning with Shopify on Facebook. Over and out.